So the other day, uh, I was driving into the city of Detroit, and I was attending this uh, meeting for pastors to, to pray together. And I was driving my car with Travis. If you don't know who Travis is, he's the lead pastor of Miles City. And if you do know who Travis is, uh, you already know that something's going to go south with this story. Anyways, uh, I, I happened to be the one who was driving that car. And we got to this junction, and I made a quick turn. And as soon as I made a turn, uh, Travis calls me out and says, Yo, bro, what, what are you doing? You didn't even look at the light. Now, I really respect Travis as a leader. He's a great guy. We're good friends. But I'm not sure if I enjoy uh, getting a driving lesson from uh, Travis. And if you've been on his car, you know exactly what I mean. Anyways, uh, I said, what are you talking about that, uh, that I didn't even look? The, the, light was, the light was blue. It was a blue light, and it was good to go. And in that moment, Travis uh, calls me out and says, what did you just say? What do you mean the traffic light is, is blue? It's, it's a green light, bro. Look at it. Look, are you colorblind? The traffic light is green. And in that moment, I felt like I was struck by a lightning because I, I never realized that I've been calling a green traffic light as, as blue. All of, my, all of my life, for the past nearly 40 years, I've been calling a traffic light as blue light, even though the color is green. So like, like a mouse that got into a trap, Travis asks me, like bombards me with all these questions. Hey, how do you say blue in Japanese? Uh, hey, uh, what color is this? <laughs> hey, how do you say uh, green in Japanese? And, and it, this went on and on and on for like 30 minutes on our way back to, uh, to church. And that is all to say that sometimes we don't really realize the obvious that sometimes we need to be told by somebody to realize the obvious that the, the green traffic light is called green because the color of the light is green. And this, I believe, applies to some of the spiritual truths and that sometimes we need to be told the obvious about the important truths that we see in the scripture as well. And I guess that's the angle that I want to approach uh, today's text. Uh, you know, we've been looking at the, the book of uh, the letter of 1 John for the past uh, seven weeks. And uh, today we're wrapping up the series. Uh, and in this final section that we're looking at today, John, the writer of the book, he is explaining the reason why he took his pen, took his time to write this letter. And he, he says this. Uh, so verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So John is saying, he's summarizing his thought now as he closed, closes this book. And he's saying the reason why I wrote this book is because you need to know that you have eternal life. But note the, the, the highlighted part. He's speaking this to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, those who believe in the name of Jesus. He's speaking to the believers not, and not to the unbelievers. And so this really implies that even when we believe in Jesus, we need to be reminded of this obvious truth that once we believe, we have eternal life, that God gives us this gift of eternal life. And that is a truth that we tend to forget. And note that John is not talking about an event that happens in the future. He's not saying that you will have eternal life. 
It's not a future tense, but he's, he's speaking in a present tense. He's saying, don't forget this obvious truth that the moment you believed in Jesus, today, right now, you have this gift of eternal life. Remember this truth that the moment you believe that your life should resemble the vigor and the power and, and the joy that come from the life that Jesus gave you. Let me remind you right now that the moment you are saved, that you are a new creation, the old has passed and you're living a new life. And John is reminding us throughout this book, throughout this letter, that this is a kind of life that we should be living. But we all know that it's, that's, it doesn't happen like that always. The reality is that sometimes we get distracted by our sins. Sometimes we, we, we get depressed and we lose confidence, confidence about our salvation. Sometimes we just get lost and get confused. And the enemy takes hold of us and the rest is history. And maybe you are at a point right now where you feel like you lost salvation. You feel like that the, 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 the sin that you committed last night or the sin that you committed recently is really pulling you back, pulling you behind. And you don't feel that new life, that life full of joy, life full of vigor is in you, is working in you. So today, the simple question that I want to put on the table for you and me is this question. How do we remember the obvious truth that we have eternal life, that God has given us eternal life? Now, I know that some of you who are watching this, that this truth is not obvious for you, that you don't even, maybe you, you never heard of this idea of eternal life. Well, it is my prayer that, that you will see it today, that, that you will see the beauty of God's promise today, that the moment you believe that God wants to spend eternity with you, that God wants to give you this eternal life. So I hope, and it is my prayer, that this message uh, speaks to you as well. And before we go on, I just want to ask you to just uh, uh, close your eyes and pray with me. Father, thank you so much for today, uh, for this simple truth that we're looking at today, which is uh, this gift of eternal life that we, we all have. The moment we believed in you, we have it. But the problem is that sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes we don't have the vigor and the power of eternal life being manifested in our daily life. So show us, God, how we can remember, how we can live out this truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's continue on with the, where we left off. We just uh, read verse 13 where John was reminding the people that I'm writing to all the believers here and I'm reminding you that you have eternal life. And after this, he continues on to say this, uh, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he shares us. And if we know that he shares us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. You know, one of the main reasons why people lose faith, why people lose confidence about the fact that they're saved is because, well, as John is saying here, it's because we don't pray, that we don't really spend time with God. And if we don't pray, we, we tend to forget even the most basics because the foundation of any relationship 
is communication, and prayer is communication. It's just like, um, you know, if, if all that you say to your spouse is hi, bye, and good night, then you can't be wondering why, why it's not working out for you guys. Of course it's not working out. You're not talking to each other. And if you feel like there is no vigor and there is no power of salvation, there is no vigor of eternal life in you, it is maybe because you are not praying. You're not communicating with God. To know God's love and his goodness and to experience his power, we need to be in this lifestyle of prayer. We need to be on our knees and praying. You know, recently I was looking at uh, my diary uh, from, uh, from the past, and I, I, and I found this one entry uh, from 2019, and it was about my, our daughter, Reka, uh, uh, like crying because she lost her doll. And it was her favorite doll, and she was crying and crying and crying. And I told her to pray. Why don't you, why don't you go and pray, Reka? And so she goes somewhere, and I took a peek, and she was praying behind, behind the door. And right after she finished praying, my wife tells Reka, Reka, did you look inside your bag? And she looks inside the bag, and there it was. The do- she, found, she finds a doll. And I marked December 12, 2019. And it was the first day that our daughter Reka experienced that God answered to her prayer. You know, if we want to teach our kids that God is alive, that God answers prayers, the best, way that we, the best thing that we can do to our kids is to make them pray. And we are also not that, that different when it comes to spiritual matters. We need to be on our knees to pray. We need to be communicating with God if we want to know and experience his living power residing and working in us. Now, I want you to notice this word, confidence. He's talking about the confidence that we can have when we pray. And this word, confidence, is not the type of confidence that you have toward your, I don't know, favorite football team if you have confidence over them. Um, it's not the, the type of confidence about your appearance or your, your new Nike shoes or whatever you're confident about. Confident about. But this word confidence in, in its original meaning uh, is used in the context of speech. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really talking about confidence or rather frankness, openness, casualness that we can have when we are speaking with somebody. You know, I struggle with that. As a Japanese, you know, many Japanese people are polite, you know, when, when we relate with other people. So when I first came to my city, I struggled because I don't know how to relate with my pastor, how to call my pastor. It was so uncomfortable for me to just call Travis, uh, Travis by his name. So I used to call him Pastor Travis, Pastor Travis, good morning, Pastor Travis, thank you. And over the months, as I spent time with him, things got a little bit uneasy because I, I, I noticed that I'm the only one calling him as Pastor Travis. So one day, uh, when we were like sipping coffee together, I told him, you know, this, this may sound a little bit awkward to you, but uh, Pastor Travis, can I just call you Travis? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, whatever, dude. And from that point on, things got really easy, easier for us. And John is saying that that is the type of confidence that you can have towards God. When you pray, you have confidence. You can be frank when you talk with God. 
you know, when you pray, you don't have to like comb your hair straight and try to use all the beautiful, elegant words. Oh, mighty God, I beseech you, beseech you that you he take heed to my request and let it be known throughout the whole. Just cut the crap out. Just, just get to the point. Just talk to God. Be frank about it. Relate with him. You can have confidence when you talk and pray to God. Now, this week, um, today being the, the last uh, in the series, uh, No Doubt, uh, I wanted to just take a step back a little bit and try to understand what John is saying as a whole in this letter. So I, I read through the, the whole book from the beginning to the end again. And you know what I noticed? I noticed that John uses this, this word, this phrase, over and over again. And it's the phrase that you are a child of God, that you are born of God. He's picturing, he's drawing a picture, uh, or, or rather a motif of God being our father and we are his, his children. He's saying that we can call our almighty God as father, just Abba, daddy. And that is really the intimacy that, that God allows us in, in our relationship. You know, when you speak with God, you can just run to him and say, Father, I messed up. Father, I'm tired. God, I don't know what I'm doing, but just hear me out, God. And, and that's all you need in prayer. And that's all, all God wants in prayer is your intimacy, is your heart, that, a heart that wants to long for him, that, that, a heart that wants to relate with him. So maybe today, if you're not feeling that vigor and the power of eternal life in you, um, it may be because it's, it's, that you're not praying, that you're not praying with God, that you don't have an intimate relationship with God, that you don't have this regular meeting with God. Now, but John also says here, looking at the, the same verse, uh, 14 and 15, uh, and this is a confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So he's saying that when we pray, you need to pray according to God's will. Now, how many times have you fallen uh, to this idea that God is not listening to our prayer, that God is silent, that God is like absent? And we say, are you there, God? Are you even listening to God? And, we, and because God seems silent, we tend to forget his promise. We tend to um, not believe the fact that we have eternal life in us. But John is saying, well, perhaps the reason why God seems to be not answering your prayer is that you're not praying in the right way, that you're not praying according to God's will. Uh, James says uh, in chapter 4, uh, when, you, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. If you're only playing, uh, praying selfishly, uh, God will not answer your prayer. And that's the truth that we see over and over again in the scripture. And, but praying according to God's will doesn't mean that we, we have to play like a guessing game with God or we have to play uh, a poker with God and try to see what God likes and God hates. And, you know, it, it's not that. The, the only way in which we know what, that we, in which we can pray according to God's will is that we spend time with God, that we abide in Jesus uh, so that gradually we, we begin to, to know that what God loves, 
or to know what God hates, that we, we begin to discern the will of God and, and we, we get to know how we should be praying. You know, like when you buy a gift to your uh, loved one, uh, initially when you started your relationship, you, you don't know what to get for her. Uh, you're like, should I buy a flower? Should I buy a perfume? Or, but as you get to know the person, you're like, ah, maybe I could just buy a gift card. <laughs> I had that epiphany uh, like five years ago. But anyway, so as you spend time with God, you begin to become more effective in your prayer. Your prayer becomes bold. And your prayer becomes not just about yourself, but also about other people. Your prayer becomes driven by faith. Your prayer becomes... Um, becomes uh, strong because you know that God is in control. Uh, you pray for the laws. You pray for your neighbors. So when Jesus, is, this is why when Jesus encouraged us to pray, he said this, John 15, 7. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And we kind of tend to skip the first two clauses and go straight to just ask whatever you wish. But Jesus said, this is Jesus' word. He said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, then ask. You need to be abiding in Jesus so that we can pray according to God's will. If you don't have the vigor and the power and the love of the eternal life flowing through you right now, it is maybe that that you don't know how to pray, that you're not praying according to God's will because you are not abiding in Jesus. And as you begin to pray, that, you know, as, as, as you are abiding in Jesus and as you begin to pray according to his will, you begin to pray not just about yourself but for other people as well. And this is where, this is where John continues on to say the, the last section that we're looking at. Today, verse, six, verse 16, he says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrong, wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Now, this is a pretty tough passage to interpret, isn't it? And whenever we encounter these difficult ones, you know, we should do a bit of theology, meaning we should not only look at this verse, but look at what the scripture as a whole is talking about, this idea of sin or this idea of forgiveness, God's forgiveness. And it's so important that we understand uh, the nature of God's forgiveness uh, because I don't know about you, but I've been at the place where after I sinned, I felt like I was wasted. I felt like I could not appear in front of God anymore. I, I felt like I dropped the ball. And I said to myself, maybe this time I committed a sin that God, even God, cannot handle. You know, when we have a wrong idea, a wrong understanding of sin, our, our relationship with God breaks. And if we're not careful, we, we kind of flip the same this, this same kind of mentality and apply it to other people that when we find other people committing an obvious sin, instead of praying for them, we judge them. Instead of caring for them, we, we dismiss them, saying that there's no way, there's no way that God can save that person. When we have a misunderstanding of God's forgiveness, then the vigor and the power of eternal life will not flow 
into you. So that's really the third and the last point that I wanted to, to make, that, that we don't have vigor, the confidence of eternal life because we don't know about God's forgiveness. So what is sin that leads to death? What is this, the nature of sin that John is talking about when he says there is sin that leads to death? Can that be true? Well, apparently so because in other parts of the scripture, it talks about it. And I don't have all the time to touch on every bit. But just one example, Jesus says in Mark chapter 3, uh, he says this, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So what is the sin that leads to death? What is the sin that, that, that will not be forgivable and it leads to eternal sin? Well, it is a sin where a person rejects the gospel, the good news of God, and he makes that final and complete decision to not follow him. Even though the Spirit is convicting that person to turn around and to repent, he blasphemes against the Holy Spirit and he adamantly refuses to turn around and he chooses to go the other way. And the scripture is saying that if you do that, because God is love and he, can't, he will not force his love on you, if a person chooses to go away from God, he will let that person go. And that is the love. That is a, that is a sin that leads to death. A sin that leads, to, uh, leads away, from, away from God. And that's why in John, this, uh, in 1 John, this, this book that we're looking at, uh, he mentions this idea of uh, you're not born of God if you are continuing in your sin. If, if you keep on sinning, then you are not a child of God. And this is the idea, the same idea that Hey, God will not force his love on you. But the good news that I want to say today is that there, it's never late to turn around. The moment that you turn around, God is waiting, waiting to embrace you. God is waiting to forgive you. There is no sin that is greater than the love of God. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. If you turn around and, and repent before him, God's love is greater than anything that you can imagine. Anything that you... You can imagine. So today, let's be reminded of the simple truths, the truths that we tend to forget, a truth that we need to be reminded over and over again, which is this verse 13 again. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know and I may know that you have eternal life. And remember, he's not talking about some future promises. He's talking about right now, you have eternal life, right this moment. And the question is, are you living out that life? Is there vigor in your life? Is there power in your life? Is there joy of salvation in your life? And if there is no joy, no vigor, then maybe you need to get on your knees and start praying. You need to start abiding in Jesus. And, you ha and, and take a grasp of the depths and the width and the length and the height of the love of God, that He will certainly forgive all sins if you turn around. Now, for some of you today, though, this whole eternal life thing is, 
is doubtful. You're not sure about it. You're not sure if, if there is eternal life. But th there is a common ground between me and you. And it's that you and I know that someday this biological life will come to an end. And we don't know when that will happen. I mean, I may get, get hit by a, a brick falling from the sky today. Nobody knows. And because you know that this life has an end, a biological life has an end, there is a hole in your heart. And you tried all that. You tried pleasure. You, you tried money. You tried success to fill that hole in your heart with no success. But I know the person who can fill that hole in your heart. And his name is Jesus. He came to die for you. He came to suffer for you. He died for you on the cross so that, so that you can have a new life, a life that you can spend for all eternity, all eternity with God. And God wants you to have that today. So I just want to give you an opportunity today to confess your faith in Jesus. So if you will, if you could close your eyes and pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for speaking this to me. I don't understand all of it, all the details, but I knew, I know that there is this hole in my heart. I tried all of it to alleviate this pain, emptiness, dullness. dullness. Nothing worked. So I want to place my trust in you. I, I want to... I want to start a new relationship with you. Even though I don't understand all of it, I want to believe that you came to die for me and you resurrected for me. And I want to believe that you, you gave me this eternal life, this greatest gift. And I want to live in the vigor and the power of eternal life from this point on. So guide me, lead me. And as we continue to pray, Father, thank you so much for your gift of eternal life. What a gift. And it's not a cheap gift that we play today and forget about it, throw away in the corner of the room tomorrow. It's an eternal life. And help us to check our heart, whether we have the joy of eternal life, whether we have the vigor of eternal life flowing through us. God, help us to pray. Help us to talk to you. Thank you for the confidence that we can have when we approach your throne. Thank you, God. Help us to abide in you so that we know how to pray. Jesus, thank you so much that your love covers multitude of sins. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Help us, God, as we go, up, go about our business this week. Be with us, God. Walk with us, God. Because we want to bring the light of the gospel to our friends and families nearby, God. Jesus, be with us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've uh, made that prayer today, made that decision to follow Jesus uh, today, I, we don't want you to walk alone and because it's difficult to walk alone. And we want to come alongside you and help you through the whole process. And so what you can do is you can text the word Miles City to the number 94,000. And uh, some of our staff would, would love to get to know you, contact you, and, and help you through that process. So please, I, I encourage you by all means to do that, to, to do that today.